Welcome back to Industry Leaders Journey. My name is Sue and I am your host. In the first part of my conversation with Ralph Peters, I learned about Ralph's incredible aptitude for change. He described his journey through several different roles on his way to becoming the head of procurement. In the second part, we'll discuss a topic close to my heart, procurement's role in environmental and social sustainability. Now, let's continue on this journey. So I know that uh, CCP just launched a really ambitious uh, initiative, that Net Zero 2040 ambition. And uh, maybe for those uh, who's listening and haven't heard uh, what's that latest commitment, can you explain a little bit on what this entails and why yeah. this commitment is actually real and material? Maybe I can go step back or two. So in 2017, so second year of our new company, CCP, we... I think from a strategic perspective, put sustainability at the core of our corporate strategy. We called the program This Is Forward, um, that it was built on six pillars. And those six pillars addressed, let's say, the entire range of the sustainability agenda that is called is understood today under ESG in terms of uh, um, sustainability topics. Obviously, in our case, it's a lot of, lot of uh, work that an effort that we put into packaging. Uh, there is uh, uh, the society element. There is the supply chain element, and and there is the climate, yeah, and the water, and then all these elements were defined in 2017 in this strategic framework. This is forward and got 2025 targets. Uh, so we said in 2017, 2025 is, is a road is, is a key milestone. We want to get in in many of those areas uh, into measurable progress, and we gave ourselves targets. For instance, in in 25, we wanted to have 50% recycled content in our entire PT uh, packaging. When you look through these targets, a lot of them. Uh, apply to procurement as being the accountable function within that because in order to achieve it procurement needs to get the material or engage with the supplier etc so we became um, highly interested in and, and highly active in in executing this this is forward strategy so developing those sustainability skills and and uh, expertise that is needed to get there and uh, that helped us to accelerate some journeys. So this recycled PT, we will reach in 2022, probably the 50%. And we have already uh, put a couple of markets on 100% RPAT as of today. So the first market in the world that was 100% recycled PT across the Coca-Cola portfolio is Sweden. And Sweden went last mm -hmm. year live. Now it's Norway and the Netherlands uh, as well. And the other markets will follow. And uh, one of the elements there was the action on climate in this This Is Forward. And action on climate was keen to reduce the CO2 footprint across scope one, two, and three um, significantly. Whilst we didn't have a carbon zero target in this initial set of targets in the This Is Forward, it was always clear that we will work on reduction and improving our measurement and at some point also developing the target in a way that um, we meet the Paris 
Paris Climate Reduction Guidelines, and we will potentially identify the year in which we will be carbon neutral. Mm -hmm. And that happened this year. And we are very clear on where we want to go. So we want to go net zero by 2040. And we want to go as an interim step, another 30% versus our last year's emission, also our 2019 emission by 2030. And this minus 30% is on top of the 30% that we reached from 2010 to 2019. So we have done 30, we will do another 30, and we will go to zero then from 2030 to 2040. Yeah. Um, and when we talk reduction, we mean reduction. So at the moment, we are not talking offsetting. Uh, we are talking literally reduce the CO2 footprint and reduce it across scope one, two, and three. Mm -hmm. One is um, everything within our four walls. We do. We have seen a lot of progress there. Scope two is the electricity you use, and CCP is on 100% renewable electricity since 2018, if I remember well. What are you using? Like, what is coming from the energy source? Uh, either it's on site when we have where we have uh, uh, our own solar fields, like in our largest production facility in Wakefield in Great Britain. We have on-site solar field uh, in a partnership with an investor um, that helps us to get the energy or we buy renewable energy from the grid, uh, which you pay more for, but uh, you can buy renewable energy. Uh, and that's what we do. You know? mm -hmm. um, and then the third is the supplier side. So everything in the integrated supply chain outside of our four walls. And that carbon footprint, we understand very well. And that carbon footprint is 93% of our carbon footprint happens with our suppliers. Mm -hmm. yeah? So everything they need, they invest or they, they emission on CO2 that relates to our products, our services, or the service they provide to us. That's and it, it, But it's normal in FMCG. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely normal. Uh, I think... Unilever sits higher, uh, PNG sits a bit higher. It's 95, 96, 90, it, it's totally normal. Why? Because the raw material production, the transportation, and then also the shipping and selling yeah, creates mm -hmm. a lot of carbon. Whilst the production itself, if you offense that and focus on that within your four walls is, is the smallest piece. Yeah? So committing to car net zero, in line with SBTIs, science-based targets, and uh, supporting the Paris Climate Agreement goals requires you that you understand you need to work with your suppliers to bring this volume down on carbon. And that's why it requires a bit of preparation, strategic thinking. And then once you put it in place, uh, you're very clear to what you want to want your suppliers to do by when in order to get there. And that's what we articulated last year uh, in our supplier day. We have three clear asks to our suppliers, to all of them. The first one is sign up to science-based targets mm -hmm. by 2023. Because if you sign up to science-based targets, you need to show a roadmap of carbon reduction. So maybe for the people who don't know what that is, can you quickly explain yeah. what is the science-based target? Science-Based Target Initiative is an initiative that has been founded in 2015 in order to support the reach of the targets that were agreed at the Paris 
Paris Climate Agreement. The Paris Climate Agreement is the, the cornerstone of protecting the world to go not beyond 1.5 degrees global warming by 2050, where we can still protect the environment as we know it today. Mm -hmm. yeah? Everything beyond that, at some point you get to the point of no return and it has severe impacts to life on Earth, literally. Oh. One third of our strategic suppliers already have SBTI targets, science-based targets in place. And it goes entire range from, from raw material suppliers to consultants, right. from, from hauliers to uh, marketing agencies. It, the other thing we ask them, which is relatively straightforward, it's, it's a business decision, but it's a relatively straightforward business decision, is also use renewable energy by 2023, 100%. Yeah? Right. It, it, it's a black and white decision at the end of the day. Yeah? Um, and the third one is, and that's where collaboration and also data management comes in, share the carbon data of your business that relates to us with us. Right, right. That was my question. Like, how yeah. do you know? <laughs> and and, and uh, share the data and let us work on, based on what we see, how we get further down in the carbon footprint. There are so many initiatives out there. So across the board, where you can start in terms of carbon reduction. And there are some of them very obvious and, and relatively easy to implement, low-hanging fruits. But there are some that require strategic collaboration over many years. And I, I just paint a picture, and it's not there yet, but let's take the glass bottle here. Yeah, It's, uh, it's considered one of the most environmental-friendly packages. It is, because it's not plastic, you can return it, etc. However, producing glass, if you have ever seen a glass furnace, uh, is high energy. <laughs> it's extremely hot, and it's... Uh, it's a lot of raw material that goes into that, and especially the energy consumption. And very often, the energy is used is not carbon, the most carbon-friendly energy. So what does it take to, to develop a furnace that is working with renewable energy, like a Tesla car, a glass furnace that only goes with electricity, and that electricity is solar or wind or whatever? Mm -hmm. These are development tasks that you can only do together. Right. Yeah, you need to you need to work on these kind of things together. And if you do that, then um, you can make really uh, you really drive change and you really drive innovation as well at the same time. These kind of ide ideas, the big ones, and then also the <clears throat> the obvious smaller ones that are there. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to actually also talk about a little bit not the carbon but the other part of the mm -hmm. sustainability social pillars. So um, in, uh, according to CCEP's uh, 2019 modern slavery statement, so in the next steps, you, you do stipulate that evolving that sustainable procurement strategy to develop supplier engagement, capacity building on sustainability as next step. I guess these are things you were just mm -hmm. explaining in the sense of carbon, but I guess in terms of human rights yep. and then also the poverty topics the working conditions for people, decent working supply chain that yeah. all kind of falls into that. So can you tell us a little bit more specifically what mm. actually you guys do in that area for the human rights and uh, uh, more social aspect? Yeah, very good. It, it is like in the ESG framework, it is obviously the, the, uh, the S, the social element, very important for us to ensure right from the beginning that suppliers we work with um, follow the supplier guiding principles that we have laid out as a Koch system 
that really addresses all those uh, elements of um, ethics and compliance in, in conducting business. And what we do is we, as a Coke system, we have defined what is our standard, which is, as you would expect, far beyond the, the standard of the United Nations. Uh, so clearly better than that, um, that we want people to do. So no child labor, no limitation of uh, workers' rights in any, any way or form, no discrimination, no racism, no any of those uh, areas has to be articulated and suppliers have to prove us that this is the case. So that's the hard part, isn't it? Like, how it, do you know your supplier? It is. It supplier, is suppliers. Like, yeah. So, and it's on a global scale. It's it's even harder. Yeah. So, in Western Europe, it's a bit. Uh, you would assume it's a bit easier yeah. uh, than when you look into global scale. But the standards are global standards. Um, so, there are a couple of things in that. We, as a bottler and the Coca-Cola company, we are working together very closely on on that. The Coke company has a very high interest, as you can imagine, to protect its brand. So everything that touches the product or it's in the product as an ingredient or as a packaging, uh, these suppliers get audited by the co-company on that specific area. Yeah? Not only on their capabilities, not only on their quality, but also on all this, the, the um, social elements of uh, uh, procedures that um, that are going on in the in the company. We as a bottler underpin that with um, a, a governance framework that is uh, looking into all the other suppliers from a, when we select suppliers, we need a clear evidence and we need a third party um, certification mm -hmm. that certain things are clear. Ecovadis is very helpful here mm -hmm. because Ecovadis is, is, is pretty, clear on evaluating processes and standards in each company and gives a score against that. What we want is a certain score for our suppliers to be reached before they can um, engage with that. And the higher the scores, the better is the chance of a supplier to, to engage with us in that, in wow. that area. Yeah. So before the evaluation, during the contracting with the suppliers, where we are very clearly articulating what we accept and what we don't accept. And then the monitoring during the the time of the contract where we again use Ecovadis and other other tools to see that all the supplier guiding principles are met and and no one is breaching in any way or form uh, the outlined requirements. Um, what we are aiming for now is to think further, enhance our risk management framework. So supply risk is one element, but there's a reputational risk as well that is obviously always out there. And thinking about putting reputational risk as part of a risk sensing tool in place that allows us to identify very early if risk of bribery or instability of, of, of a geography can impact our supply base mm -hmm. uh, in any way or form and then we can address that. So very strong requirements put out by our board of directors, the governance framework constantly improved. I know we are in a lucky situation. Western Europe is a very stable environment, yeah? but we need to learn to work with other environments as well uh, because part of our supply base is global and, and comes from other parts of the world. Right. That merger with um, um, Matil, the APJ 
area yes. coming. So I guess that's bigger. Concern. And that's and that's the next next highlight. Once the the proposed acquisition is is uh, approved and will go through, we suddenly will need to learn to deal with markets like Indonesia or Papua New Guinea yeah? and very different uh, governance models probably required. Mm -hmm. So um, what would share with the listeners who might be still searching for that meaning in work, mm -hmm. our career? How do you combine that? Yeah, I was thinking about this meaning in work, meaning in life thing. So I'm not searching for that. But what I probably define for myself is I, I can now probably look everyone in the eyes and say, yeah, I understand. I have a, I have a purpose in my role. I know what I can influence. And I want to make sure that we make progress on this sustainability agenda supported by my team in procurement. So very measurable carbon footprint, very measurable recycled content, eliminate waste and, and reduce CO2. I mean, my children, I have three of them, will be probably one day very happy with when I, when I summarize my job, like, okay, that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, may, they may think I sold Coca-Cola, but <laughs> ultimately I helped to, to reduce waste, eliminate waste and reduce carbon footprint. To protect our, our home, our earth. It, it, it is abstract to protect the world, but when it becomes in your, what can influence in your business, in your job, mm -hmm. it's very tangible. Yeah? Right. Taking out waste is very tangible. Taking out CO2 is very tangible. And by the way, um, it is so tangible in CCP that we, that we get measured in our bonus against that this year for the first time. Yeah, I read that. That's a real. <laughs> it's a real thing, and 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 so we get measured based already for 2020 on the carbon reduction that CCP has reached, or we we still don't know the numbers, but has been able to reach uh, for 2020. We will get our a certain part of our variable pay across the entire management, not only me, yeah, no, mm -hmm. not the entire management, um, on that. Yeah. And I actually read today that. Apple now comes out with a similar mm. incentive for their management team on a sustainability. So it's 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 just starting. You guys are making the it's movie. starting. Yeah, yeah, it's it's coming. Um, so I would like to finish with with a good note. Um, I'd like to ask you finish this sentence. I am optimistic. Okay. That that that. I am optimistic that um, the society, the global society, can overcome literally any challenge that will come our way. And why I'm so optimistic is the most recent example is this global pandemic that exactly 12 months ago, we, we may have started to hear about something in Wuhan, but, but definitely had no idea what it is. 12 months down the road, there are several global solutions in terms of vaccination or vaccine, a couple of them already approved and in the play that will give an answer to that pandemic. Yeah? It took eight months to develop from nowhere to approval vaccines, which is far, far beyond usual standards. Super fast, super good. Why? Because the world wanted to do it. The entire society put all their efforts together to, to get it done. And this is what makes me optimistic that whatever comes our way in terms of challenges, there's always a way to, if we put our act together and if you put our efforts focused on something, that we find a solution to that. Yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes the society pays a toll, took a lot of uh, 
lives already and 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 put a lot of uh, pressure and 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 uh, pain to many people but at the end of the day we will have a solution much faster than we we used to have and we will come out of that so yeah. i'm very optimistic that's, that's a good note to end this uh, podcast thank you for joining me today and be safe thank you sue and appreciate the, the chance to have a this this chat it's it's uh, it's good to sometimes reflect on on some some bigger pictures so appreciate that thank you very much thanks for joining us on this episode of industry leaders journey this series is produced by the industry value chain team at sap where we are committed to making the world run better and improving people's lives for more information and to access all of our podcasts find us on apple podcasts spotify or ariba.com